0: Get it? Now it's time to sit and relax Get your mind blown away Ain't no skipping this track Have you paid more attention, no listening gap Get everything I ever wanted No giving it back, yeah, back. yeah. 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 What's up everybody? Welcome to the Apron Bump Podcast I'm your host The hardest part of the ring Kyle Bird I'm laughing, by the way I'm I'm, I'm, I'm having myself a giggle Because I'm trying to wear this fucking hat I don't know if, if I don't remember what episode I was talking about, but I, I'm I'm trying to become a hat guy, ladies and gentlemen. I'm trying to figure out how to wear hats. I just don't know if I got it yet. I mean, the YouTube audience, you probably get a better perspective. I don't remember if I mentioned this in the last uh, riveting hat discussion, uh, but goddamn, pal, dude, no hats fit me. I mean, look at this. Sh- look, I'm going to hold this up to the camera. We got snapback action going, right? I don't know if it's going to focus. Here we go. The last snap. I don't know if you can see that, but it's on the very last snap. I put it on, right? Looks like a yarmulke. Jew Kyle in the house. What's up? Have a matzah. You know what I'm saying? Is that Jewish? Um, but yeah, dude, it's just not like a little, little Washington Nationals hat. Went to a, little, went to a little, little little pucker game, you know? That's what we call hockey in the hockey business. Um, saw some goals, some nets, some, uh, Zambonis and all that stuff. So, which, uh, turns out is actually used, uh, not in a, uh, wrestling capacity to storm a ring, which is interesting. So, uh, but yeah, so I got this bright ass red hat on, which by the way, just screams, Hey, this guy got a free hat and doesn't know what hockey is, but that being said, <laughs> I'll figure it out. We'll figure it out gang. But, um, I'm stalling by the way. I don't know what the hell we're talking about today. ECW. <laughs> 1996. Heatwave 1996. From ECW. So, uh, full transparency here. So this being a retro wrestling podcast. You know, it's nothing. It's not topical, of course. So I can kind of record episodes whenever I want. Sometimes I'll record. Are you fucking kidding me, dude? My cat just almost knocked over my coffee. Um... But I'll record, you know, sometimes a couple episodes in a week, which means that it might be a few weeks in between recording and releasing. And the reason I bring this up is because me and my guest recorded this about, I don't know, three weeks ago or so. Couldn't tell you what happened on this show. <laughs> I'm, I'm recording this before I go back and edit it. But and of course, I could go back and look at my notes and shit and see what happened. And I, there are actually a few major things that happen. In terms of storyline, in terms of like, you know, just story beats, factions being started, faction warfare, things that have been built up are kind of coming to a head. There's a lot of actually very big things that happen in the grand scheme of ECW on this show. Um, So if you've been listening, if you've been following the chronological, you know, reviews that I've been doing, which if you haven't, go to apronbump.com, go to the episodes tab. Click ECW, that'll bring you to all of the chronological reviews that I've done for this lovely, lovely company so far. Uh, Starting from the very first Extreme Championship Wrestling show all the way through 94 through 95 and all the way up until this point, mid-1996. It's been a fun ride, and like I said, in this show, we talk a lot about a lot of major things happening story-wise, but bell to bell, (laughs) bell to bell, you know, just the second to second like action, I mean to call it a clusterfuck would be generous. <laughs> you know, like it's just, it's 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 nonsense to watch. I think it was more fun to talk about though. I mean, and in fact, the only thing I really remember about this podcast episode that you're about to hear is that me and my guest have a good old time. And who is my guest? Well, none other than Will Gray from the Butched spots, spots I always fuck that up. Will Gray. From the Botched Spots and Chair Shots podcast. Returning to the show. Always a good time talking with Will. It's been too long since he's been on the pod. Go check out the Botched Spots and Chair Shots podcast. Fucking nailed it that time. <laughs> Wherever you listen to podcasts, as well as live on Twitch, live on uh, YouTube, jizz, all that stuff. All all of the info is going to be in the description of this podcast. It's talk a. Uh, they talk some current stuff, some old school stuff. Hey, they even get into some non-wrestling stuff. They do like trivia. They do games. Fun old time at the Botch, Bots and Chair Shots show. Go check it out right now. Well, not right now. Listen to this. But then after that, go go check out Will and and, and, and the gang over there. A lot of cast of characters appeared on that show. Lots of guests that you've probably you've probably witnessed on the Apron Bump Podcast. And speaking of the Apron Bump Podcast, how about you give her a follow at Apron Bump on all the social medias? X, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok. Subscribe, like, review, rate, jizz, uh, subscribe, subscribe to my mailing list. That's the thing. I don't send you any mail, but uh do it anyways, in case I do. Um <laughs> Let's see. What else? What else? Oh, hey. Make sure to stick around to the end of the podcast to see where Heat Wave 1996 ranks among the other shows of 1996. To continue the hardest promotion battle of 1996 competition between WWF, WCW and ECW. Got a running spreadsheet. Lots of criteria we look into Both overall event quality as well as just the general in-ring, out-of-ring storylines. The best, the worst. All of it we'll get into in great detail. And we'll see if Heat Wave has changed the standings uh, as they are right now. I believe uh, WWF and ECW were tied. WCW pulling up the rear. And by the way, at the end of 1996, whoever has the most points your boy, the hardest part of the ring, is going to purchase a championship belt of that respective company. Might wear it during the show. Might slap myself on the ass with it until it bleeds. Don't know. Maybe something in between. You know what I'm saying? But point is you're going to want to stick around for that. It's always a good old time. And you know what else is always a good old time? Talking ECW with my boy, Billiam. So let's get into it. ECW, HeatWave. Nineteen ninety-six with myself and Will from the Botched Spots and Chair Shots podcast. Yeah, well, wrestling is real life. I mean, that's the most important thing, right?
1: That is that's that is our life, or as much as of it we would want it to be,
0: right? Yeah. If you had to give up cooking or wrestling, which one would you give up? That's a tough one.
1: Uh, I would probably say it was easier for me to walk away from cooking professionally than I mm. think it would be for me to give up my fandom for wrestling.
0: Right. Oh, so you don't cook professionally anymore.
1: No, I, I still have my catering company. We do the pop-ups and stuff, but okay. I don't, I'm not cooking in a restaurant per se. No, I I, oh. I, I, cook on my, I cater and stuff like that. So I cook on my schedule and I decide, okay, I want to pick up some gigs, so I'll you know oh, go yeah. out and do some marketing, see if somebody wants some barbecue or something. I'm doing some farmers markets and stuff this spring that are coming up. I'll be in East nice. Nashville uh, three days a week slinging barbecue. Then, so
0: Keep, yeah, keeping
1: the sh- the knives sharp, as they say, but it's definitely not that. the eighty hour weeks that it once
0: was. <laughs> are you are you someone that's particular about their knives? I guess you probably would be, right? Naturally. I used to be super, like way more hardcore than I am now. I used to,
1: I was one of those pretentious assholes where I would buy a knife and then I would be solely responsible for its upkeep. I would sharpen it like mm. multiple times a week and I kept my honing still on me. Like my knife roll was my baby. I had this right. like really nice leather roll that like was mine. I kept all cool. of my shit in it. It
0: was, it was a whole personality trait, dude. Like big time. I get it. I get it. No, I had the uh, the, the little Cuisinart Cuisinart yeah. uh, the, the color coded knives that were uh, you could hit yourself in the wrist and it wouldn't uh, leave a mark. But hey, man, it worked for me for a couple of years. So my
1: paring knife is a Cuisinart, and the reason why I say that is it's funny to me because a lot of professional chefs who see me pull my paring knife out are like. That's that's, right. a, that's a quiz in art. Like you can get that at Bed Bath & Beyond. I was like, yeah, as a matter of fact, I did. It was $20 and I was yeah. at an event and my sous chef at the time broke my paring knife and I went to Bed Bath & Beyond and replaced this like $200 knife with this $20 paring knife. And that motherfucker, 15 years later, is still in my knife roll to this day. It looks mangled, this shit. It's been sharpened a million times. Right. Blades all disformed, but it's still sharp as shit. And it still rolls. So I was like, Twenty dollar knife replaced two hundred. Yeah, uh, you know a twenty dollar knife yeah. replaced a two hundred dollar hinkle. Who would
0: have thought? I mean, sometimes the cheap shit is the best. You know, knives, phones, and uh, maybe wrestling promotions. Perhaps speaking of which, oh, speaking no. sp- sp- <laughs> of which, ECW, nineteen ninety six, old heat wave action. So you got a chance to uh, check out the show. I I went
1: back. I rewatched when I first pulled it up. I said, "Okay, it's 96. It's ECW. I kind of realized what I was getting myself into. And then I pulled the card up and started watching. And Kyle, I kind of feel like you hoodwinked me here, man. Like, I was really (laughs) excited to work with you and talk about some really quality wrestling. And then I was like, Uh well, at least it's going to be fun to catch up with my friend and, you know, (laughs) dog on these guys for an hour because.
0: (laughs) I I looked up the card. And I saw Louis Spicoli was in two matches. Oh, yeah. And I I went through my Rolodex in my head. Okay, who of the people that I know, who of my good, good friends would give an ounce of a shit, maybe, of Rad Radford? (laughs) If for whatever reason your name popped up, because you like a lot of the older shit. Uh, Maybe I was wrong in that assessment, but hopefully you at least know who he was. I love Indie-rific wrestling, and uh, I watch a
1: ton of mud shows still to this day. I love Indie wrestling. And this, to me... Was like the quintessential peak of what ECW was as far as like oh, yeah. an indie promotion. And I loved every second of it. The in-ring work was not why I was happy about watching this.
0: <laughs> no, there were there were some good story beats during the show. Um, I don't know if that like carried forward with you just kind of watching this in a vacuum. But as for me, who's been watching this stuff, it was like, oh, we finally got this happening and this happening. But everything in between, man, was rough. <laughs> I mean, it's always like just a clusterfuck ecw is in this era but i mean this show in particular was uh i mean we'll get into it but yeah a lot going on i guess it was it was
1: great in a sense that you got to see paul Heyman go you know the old phrase like you throw a spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks this was paul Heyman who just picked up the whole pot and was just like and then he was like it's a card and he just everybody who's like fuck it, Spicoli, you can work twice. Whipwreck, you're uh-huh. gonna have a long
0: night, but people are gonna watch. They're gonna pay us. Mm-hmm. Sabu's in like three or four goddamn matches all over the <laughs> all over the night, and um, I mean just the way <laughs> you turn the show on, the first thing you see is the Samoan gangster party versus the gangsters. So we got like, you know a uh, gang warfare, I guess. To call this a match, I think, would be a bit generous. Um, It was on a card as a match. But, uh, man, it is just the gangsters kicking the shit out of the Samoan gangsters for a a few minutes. Trash cans, chairs, blood, all the usual suspects. But (laughs) what a way to start your viewing experience of UCW, huh?
1: Well, to me, I was like, oh, this is just New Jack doing New Jack things. Oh, yeah. Like, he ran out to the ring. Like, if you don't physically hear a bell or see it in. There's no way to know what this match actually consisted of because it was literally just mm-hmm. new Jack and Mustafa running down to the ring and just beating the shit out of everybody who had a pulse. But you kind of love new Jack for that, right? That's why oh, we yeah. like watching him work is because that's just what he did all the time. He was, he was unbiased as to his ass kickings. He handed.
0: Absolutely. No, it was, I'll tell you one thing, though, that does take the charm away from matches like this is watching it on Peacock. Obviously, (laughs) they got a dub over the fucking music. And with that, it also there's like a just a generic crowd track like underneath the music. So you can't hear the reactions of the crowd. You can't even hear like the bell or the sounds of the match. It's just this whatever the hell generic crisscross music, you know, that's playing in the background, which obviously in reality, it's. Ice Cube, new, uh, Natural Born Killers, which probably is awesome if you watch it in its original form. But here, it's just like, what are we doing? But I don't know. It's, it's, it's what you expect from New Jack. Tierborn. They do the dub multiple
1: times throughout because during the main event, there's music playing. Oh, and yeah. you hear it yeah. and you're like, that's almost Alice in Chains. That's mm-hmm. almost Man in a Box. Like, And you yeah. hear it, the, the theme throughout where the WWE and Peacock had to put their thumbprint on top of everything.
0: Yeah, honestly, the music isn't as bad as just the lack of crowd reaction behind it. But uh, it's our hands are tied, I guess. If if it was easy to just get access to these like VHSs or whatever, I would totally get one. But you got to wait three months from China or the wayward
1: the days of tape trading. My friend
0: is, is tape straight tape trading still going. I'll I'll go to a meeting or whatever the
1: hell. I 100% think there should be a Napster. I'm not going to derail this show, but there should be a Napster <laughs> oh, for wrestling fans. Because back in the day in high school, mm. I would go rent a VHS tape and I would copy it. And then my friends at school would copy my copy. Why is there not right. somebody in wrestling today? Who's put up a, a Napster for pro wrestling where we're uploading just our own recordings and content for wrestling matches. And you can be like, Oh, I want to see who has Will Ospreay content today. How you come that's what? not a thing? <laughs>
0: You know, well, I'll tell you, I think uh, I think YouTube might have that market cornered. I guess or, that's true. Uh,
1: <laughs> but specifically for wrestling, think about it. Yeah, I mean, they make apps for dumber shit. Kyle, don't shoot me down. Fight Fight TV's cut. <laughs> kind of, yeah, though, they do. They do. <laughs>
0: um. But uh, man, I did just describe just... fight TV. Never mind. You're right. <laughs> we just fight cut TV the last three minutes out. <laughs> Peacock. I mean, they're just all separated, but they're there. They're there if you really want to find it. Um, but thank God Peacock's here so that we get access to Mikey Whipwreck versus Paul Loria, the giant. Huh? I mean, I don't know if this is just like a pre-show deal, but this was like a one-minute match, literally. A Mikey Whipwreck squash is uh, quite the sight, especially since he's like the underdog guy. <laughs> Like, he's a fucking triple crown champion at this point. He's dominating this guy. Like, at what point is are you just a wrestler? But I don't know. The, the giant.
1: And can we talk about how Whipwreck
0: yep. was bigger than he was? <laughs> I think you're going to be hard pressed to find anybody shorter than the giant Paul Loria. But <laughs> this is gimmick. I mean, I guess it works. Well, does it? Maybe it doesn't.
1: It was just it's funny to me because you watch back some of this 96 stuff and you're like, I don't remember it as a kid watching as like a 12, 13 year old will. But looking back on it now as an adult,
0: I'm like, some of this was just gone from my memory. <laughs> it's I mean, Mikey Whipwreck wins with the Frank and Mikey in one minute. This is really just a match to introduce a promo <laughs> from the Eliminators who come out. Pearl Harbor job to both guys. Uh where for you? Where does total elimination rank among double team moves?
1: For this era of wrestling,
0: just all time.
1: I mean, up there, but not top ten. I mean, top ten, maybe five. I don't know. Na- name your top five. My top five double team finishers, right offhand. Yeah. Um, Doomsday Device. Mm. I would say, um, FTR. Well, uh, the
0: shatter machine. Okay. The shatter machine.
1: Um, I would definitely say the three uh, team three D with
0: the. Uh, oh, the three D.
1: Yeah, the deadly death drop. Um, mm. I would say the Usos with the exact same move, but the way they deliver it. You can't have both of
0: those in your top five. I one hundred percent can. Oh,
1: Do you God. think the sharpshooter and the scorpion deathlock are the same move? The spear and the gore are the same move. Then the Boy, 1D this- and the 3D
0: technically <laughs> can't be the same move. That's going to throw us down a
1: rabbit hole that I don't think we're going to go down. <laughs> <laughs> but. but the point is, I, I, I have my favorites, so I wouldn't say it's, you know, it's a they're wrong, but
0: it's okay. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah, total animation is better than all of those. I'm going to... Yeah. Yuck all your I'm gonna rub your yums all over the floor. You put me
1: on the spot too. It would have been so embarrassing if I couldn't think of any double team tag team finishers <laughs> um, on, in that um, moment.
0: I would have been like shit. <laughs> oh, that was impressive. I I wouldn't have been able to name that many. Um that were in the vein of total elimination. But yeah, I mean, those are some good ones. I did the total elimination just always looks so violent. At least in this case, it did. It was just uh beautiful, beautiful stuff. And uh it's, it's a, a move that people have taken and put their little spin on it over the years, but um they do that to Paul Loria here. I think they do it to Mike Whipbrecker. Maybe that's not till later. Um but Saturn, Cronus, uh the Eliminators are here to challenge the gangsters. I believe they're the tag team champions. It wasn't very clear. Uh but <laughs> they're just they're just challenging all the teams in the ECW basically the Samoan gangsters. Um and Saturn keeps <laughs> referring to Oh, wait, no, I'm sorry. The Eliminators are the Tag Team Champions. And Saturn is like, I'll challenge all of you guys to my belts. I mean, our belts. Are they trying to, like, build to tension between the two, or is he just stupid, do you think?
1: I think Perry Saturn is one of those guys where it's like, you're a really great worker, underappreciated, but you make Scott Steiner look like a Nobel Laureate, my friend. <laughs> Like Perry Saturn was never known as a great talker, Kyle. (laughs) Oh, I think he's great. (laughs) He's not a good
0: talker, but he's a great
1: talker. I, uh, I didn't think Perry Saturn's promo skills were at the top of the list. I did recently watch some 90 rough 98 Halloween havoc ish of WCW stuff. And, Perry Saturn was truly underrated throughout most of his oh, career, yeah. all the way through starting. You look at 96 here, great mid card, uh, you know, tag champion. And that's kind of where he stayed. His entire career was always in the hump for those, you know, mid card mm-hmm. titles. And I think, I think he could have had a world title run. He just never got it.
0: Yeah. Maybe it's cause he's not a very tall guy, right? He's probably, he's definitely under six feet. So maybe that held him back a little bit, unfortunately, when Especially it came to the 90s. Because they wanted those big yeah. guys then. But um, no, I totally agree. Saturn's fantastic. I mean, one of the best elbow drops of all time. Perry Saturn and the rings of Saturn.
1: The same. It's the <laughs> Britt Baker thing where she that, yeah. like, ooh
0: quality. Yeah. Um, but the Eliminators, basically, this evolves into a match here. A title, a tag title match. The Eliminators versus Mikey Whipwreck and Sabu. And Perry's like, ah, because Mikey and Sabu faced each other at the last show. And then they shook hands after. And Saturn's like, oh, you guys want to shake hands? Why don't you team together and fuck each other's mouths or whatever hell he said. Um, I'm paraphrasing. Again, great talker. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's probably not that far off what he actually said. Um, But, uh, yeah, so we have a match here. And Saturn is the one that kind of stands out to me in this one. He just feels very ahead of his time here. For better or worse, because it seems like he's just like doing a bunch of moves like brain busters <laughs> and suplexes that are like you know not as common back then. Cronus, even too, busts out like a pump handle suplex of sword. He's throwing off handsprings. I thought it was a very uh, it was a pretty entertaining match, even though it was kind of short and maybe a little silly at times. I thought I was sports entertained, uh, yeah watching
1: perry saturn here like i said after watching him in 98 and wcw it made me think that perry saturn was in the same vein as like your dean malinko's and your chris jericho's when we get to the tv mm. title has a lot to say about that match uh but he's in that same vein where he wasn't like your ecw go out there put you through a table you know make right. you, you know make you bleed your own blood but he would go out there and work a solid fucking match and you give him 15 minutes perry saturn could go out there and work for 15 minutes And Mm -hmm. I feel like that was kind of what set him apart in a lot of ways from the CCW on this card specifically, because there was so much of that, you know, just crash and doom wrestling show. And then you had those Perry Saturns and your Chris Jericho's and uh, even even Mikey Whipwreck in certain places had some good moments where he was doing some traditional wrestling stuff.
0: Yeah. And Saturn also before the match, he made it clear that he wanted a traditional Tag team match. No tomfoolery or any of that. And, of course, we get all fucking Sabu's throwing up chairs. And, yeah, Sabu at one point botches a triple jump moonsault. But, I don't know. He he makes up for it later. but he's Which, honestly, like, I've been watching these shows. And Sabu doesn't botch as much as people make him out to be. Like, he's he's way better than people think he is, I think. But, um, yeah, he busts out like a Frankenstein or like a springboard from the top rope. Um, and then he sets up, I think it's Cronus on like a table bridge on the outside and goes to do a triple jump into the DDT, but Saturn shakes the ropes. So Sabu falls and then they do the total elimination to Mikey Whipwreck and retain the tag team titles. But yes, very sports entertained. I agree. Um, any other thoughts on that one? That little uh, nugget? Sabu did Sabu
1: things like you oh, see. Did. Oh, so having recently seen him in AEW, I haven't watched a lot of ECW recently. Mm-hmm. It's not been on my my list of to-dos. So we're going back and watching this one, as you said, in a vacuum, like it was nice to go back and see and be like, oh yeah, that's what
0: Sabu looks like. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is a bit unfair because I'm telling you, 95, <laughs> first half of 96. I don't know if I've seen this guy botch once. Like he's just jump, he's leaping from the middle of the ring to the top rope, springboarding back, and maybe, maybe it falls apart at some point. I don't know. I'm still, I'm still going through it, but, but again, he has more, more matches tonight, so <laughs> we'll see if he makes up for this one. Um, but fuck me, man. Up next, we got the Dudleys taking on the FBI here. Now, this was impossible to take notes on because. Holy shit. There was a lot of just just, it starts out with an Italian karaoke bistro, which I don't know. Sounds like it's up your alley. Do you have any idea what that means?
1: I would. uh, The first thing when you say that, I think soup, salads and like a really bomb ass like disco, like you're going to go in and Mm. like people are going to be like vibing and you're going to be like your Italian meat sandwiches
0: and shit. I don't know. But it sounds fun. Gabagool mozzarella, mozzarella. Yeah, yeah yeah exactly i'm with you yeah i'm with you well that's not there was no gabagool here no i don't think i mean there no. might have been for all i know there was little uh, guido though <laughs> <laughs> that's close we got a uh, uh, little guido and jt smith are out there and they're and guido introduces his little brother big guido who uh cu- how would how would you describe the aesthetic of big guido will
1: uh, the most overly stereotypical person. Like if you took some, like an extra from a Bronx tale out of the background, it was like Paul Lee, What like
0: tried his best. Hmm. Yeah, it was, it was like a guy in the middle of transforming into the Hulk. Like he had like the tight shorts, the tank top, the tiny shoes, the shitty little boots, perhaps um, no knee pads, a lot of baby oil. You know, this is the white tank top. Yeah, again, very stereotypical. But uh, boy, he was big. So can't assume for slander.
1: Big, big Guido was the little brother of little Guido.
0: Yeah. That'll,
1: uh, it's not that know. family aesthetics don't make sense here, because we are
0: about to discuss the Dudley boys. <laughs> <laughs> the oh, Dudley God. family. <laughs> Ooh, Chubby Dudley, DW Dudley, Sign Guy Dudley, Big Dick Dudley, and Bubba ray Dudley come out. Now we are we are in the midst of a Dudley Civil War of sorts. Uh, Big Dick and Devon are kind of fighting for control of the family. Big Dick and Devon do not like each other, of course, because um, Devon has just been uh, you know kicking the shit out of all of his brothers, chairing them. Uh, a lot of what we see here, he's been doing that for a while now. And Bubba comes out with a headband that says "Fuck Devon" on it, which I thought was tremendous. Um... So the Dudleys are in the ring. The FBI's is in the ring. There's 28 guys in the ring. And then we just see Devon up in the rafters or whatever the hell on the stage. Cause he's, <laughs> he's scared of big dick. Will is the thing. And, but he's talking shit from afar. He says, uh, that's my fucking family. I'll kick your big ass, big dick. Uh, it basically challenges them to fisticuffs, but then runs away. And, uh, I don't know. What what were your thoughts watching this unfold because it's <laughs> the thought of somebody coming into this out of context is just hilarious to me.
1: I don't ever remember Devon and Bubba Ray. Like I don't remember this whole big dick and Devon feud at all. So I was mm. really I, I and I'm really it's not that I didn't know about the the Dudley family, but again looking at it in a vacuum, I'm like was it a like clown car Like, did they just open the door and just Dudley's just poured out? Because I felt like I don't remember there being fucking 12 of them, but apparently there was. They all tried to make Uh sense. And then this turned into a train wreck. Like there was the Big Dick and Devon story and then Devon's attacking everybody and trying to not get killed by Big Dick at the same time. Uh Um, Simultaneously, while we're supposed to be having a, a tag match of some sort.
0: And all interrupting the Italian karaoke bistro when you got Big Guido's here. Salvatore Bellomo is here dressed as a Viking for whatever reason. (laughs) Uh, This all just sounds like things we're making up. But these are things that actually happened on a television screen. Um, I don't even know where to begin here, man. So Devon's on the stage. Everybody's in the ring. Devon challenges Big Dick. So Big Dick goes and goes chasing him like we're on the stage. But I guess Devon just evades him somehow. Maybe Big Dick's just a big dumb idiot. And Devon, he couldn't find Devon. He lost him. Lost him in the shuffle. Devon slips into the ring, chairs everybody, the FBI, his own brothers. Him and Bubba have a face-off. And then eventually Devon swings the chair at Bubba. But Bubba catches it, grabs the chair, goes to hit Devon. But Devon's like on his knees begging, no, no, no. But then Devon low blows him. Big Guido's over here. He's wet. He's looking at Big Dick. Big Dick finally finds his way back to the ring. But Devon's gone now. But Big Guido's still here. Big Dick. Big Guido. Big face off. A lot of wet. A lot of moisture. What do you think this ring smells like at this point? I'm uh,
1: just going to go on a whim. And again, I reiterate the fact I've been to some muddy mud shows. Yeah. When I think about how bad that ECW ring smelled because ring like the canvas isn't cheap. And when, you know, like I don't imagine Paul Heyman was sending that off to be cleaned regularly in any capacity. Mm. So then you think about the fact that not only was it everything that happened tonight, but it's probably weeks of stories on this ring on this canvas that we're smelling. Now, this is pure 19. Think about the fact two and 96 people were still smoking in the 2300 too.
0: Oh yeah, like no, yeah. <laughs> you'll see, like <laughs> Shane Douglas, because he has like the yellow tights, and he'll walk in with the yellow tights, and by the time he leaves the ring, it's like a completely different color. So yeah, it's not the cleanest. It's not the uh, cleanest.
1: That, that, but this was the grunge act of the '90s, though. Like you didn't go mm. to an ECW show; you wanted to see the theatrics and the Hollywood. You'd go to WWE or WCW if you wanted a grunge rock band, and you know maybe catch hepatitis
0: like you went to ECW. Oh, yeah. well speaking of hepatitis i mean this this orgy that's happening in the ring just a bunch of tie-dye and <laughs> slicked black slicked back hair and jt smith why not just add hack myers into the equation for absolutely no reason has no business uh, are, are you familiar with the shah hack myers at all no mm-hmm and in the in the hustle
1: Ooh. of all of this, I wouldn't say necessarily this was my my you know my potty break match as it were, but there was so much going on. Like it'd be like somebody new came out. Like oh, this is how many people are out there at this point. Like wow. that's kind. But that was the moral of the story for a lot of this show, though. Was yeah. none of this show? This was this was a really big train wreck with a great TV title match.
0: Yes. Yes. <laughs> almost word for word like <laughs> what i thought about this but um but the shah's here he shaws everybody chairs devon but then he gets power bombs by big guido and then dick and devon which is really the main takeaway here because every time big dick is in the ring devon's nowhere to be found but they finally find each other you know face to face in the same ring uh but big guido interrupts them before they get to fight each other Dick hits him with a chair and pins him because I guess this is a match. (laughs) And the ref (laughs) counts and I guess the Dudleys win, but whatever. Um, But they just keep on fighting like Bubba's still throwing suplexes after the match is over and that's about it. The
1: FBI introduced this big, massive Hulk, giant, big little brother Guido to lose his first match to a chair shot in the middle of a train wreck. (sighs) Like
0: this, so you think they you, they buried Big Guido here? Is what you're saying?
1: If this was the IWC and they were around in '96, they would have hated this. They would have been like, "Why'd they oh. bury Big Guido?" I know you 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 have a love hate relationship with the IWC, Kyle.
0: So much potential in Big Guido. He is a future world champion, <laughs> and he is just he got buried. Suck me off. Um, but that's, hey, that's the clip right there. Is
1: hashtag free Big Guido. <laughs>
0: Big Guido still around. Let me give a goog to Big Guido. Hopefully, he's yeah. still alive. I feel like it's kind of like a 50 50 shot when you're watching this show or this show. Big. I just got done watching the
1: biography of WrestleMania 1 and they were talking about all the people that aren't around now. So, watching uh, 96 ECW, I'm like, yeah, there's a good chance some of these guys aren't still around.
0: Yeah. Hey, he's still around somehow. Six foot nine, 350. He's still wrestling. No shot. He's 59 years old. Man, he did not. His, his Wikipedia, you don't even have to scroll to look at it. <laughs> um, well that's good for Big Guido, I guess. Uh, but man, if there's if there's anybody that could get this train back on the tracks. It's Tarzan Goto taking on Axel Rotten. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite Tarzan Goto match, Will?
1: Uh, I this was definitely this reminds me of a GCW match because I've been watching a lot of that. And it's always Mm. like you'll find random Japanese wrestlers thrown in. Brett Lauderdale loves Japanese wrestling. So this felt like that from the 90s because it was a random Japanese strong style, like Japanese luchador, whatever you would want to call it from 96 going against Axel Rotten. (laughs) Um, He was wearing FNW gear in 96. I'm not even sure if FMW was still operating in 96.
0: Uh I think it might have been I'm not 100% sure but yeah he is most known for uh, uh, Tarzan Goto most known for FMW he, apparently he had an exploding steel cage match or a few of them with Onita which sounds pretty sounds like a thing Onita's so, wild I do know no, who Onita is he's he fucks. crazy uh, FMW was
1: around till 2002, actually. I just pulled it up.
0: Wow. So they, they held
1: Yeah. So they were still around in 96. I, I stand corrected.
0: Well, good for them. But, uh, yeah. Goto also wrestled a bit, a bit of sumo in 1979, which sounds like a made up fact, but, uh, I don't think he won any matches. I think he was a pretty shitty sumo wrestler. Um, but yeah, I described this match as garbage, strong style. I don't know if you would agree or disagree, but uh just a lot of chairs well, felt like a chair sword fight this match. I don't know. what you make of this?
1: You're right. It's like <laughs> it's a chair sword fight would be a good way to look at it. It's like if Japanese strong style had a midlife crisis and decided it wanted to become mm. FMW, like it was like trying to yeah. blend the two styles like how do you go from being an fmw straight deathmatch wrestler to being a an american ecw hardcore wrestler but it was like frankenstein yeah. wrestling is kind of what this looked like it it was produced well you could tell the guys axel rotten um i've got a love hate relationship with the rotten family do tell uh i've i've met some cool guys through the through the business through the interviews and stuff and i feel like Ian Rotten specifically and Axel like they have such this like infamous vibe about them. 50% of the people I talk to either love them. You know, they would give you the shirts off their back. They they were the greatest, you know, minds, blah blah blah. And then the other 50% are like I wouldn't piss on you to put you out if you were on fire. So mm. that's why I'm intrigued to try the closer I get to Ian Rotten, but you know, they were one of those families where it's just kind of had that that aura about them. They were infamous without needing to be.
0: Yeah, I guess a Taipei death match will do that to a family. But <laughs> yeah, Axel Rotten, I don't know. It's something about the guy. He's like a guy that's probably a good guy, but it's pretty, kind of a dick, too. I don't know. I, I can't put my finger on what why I don't really like him that much. But uh he's a carny. Yeah. He's yeah. he's the
1: quintessential example of what a carney meant to be a wrestler or wrestling promoter in ninety six. You could have if he didn't look the way he did, you could put him in nineteen thirties in pro wrestling and he mm. would have survived fine because he was a fucking carney.
0: Yeah, no, he would he would fit in with GCW as well. Um but he's not able to get the win, unfortunately, in this one. Goto wins with a brain buster on a steel chair, which looked pretty gnarly. Um so Tarzan gets the win. I don't know uh I don't know what else he does in ECW. Maybe it's just a kind of a one-shot deal. I mean ECW was known especially at this time for bringing in international talent which at the time I mean you had Eddie Guerrero and Chris Benoit and Dean Malinkos but you also have FMW guys like Goto <laughs> and they they bring in just random kind of just Japanese guys and luchadors and so it was their charm. They not all of them hit, but this wasn't awful, I guess. I wasn't I wasn't offended by this match, I guess.
1: Good, not just, great, kind of this the whole feel for a lot of the show. Um yeah. Heyman credits the Eric Bischoff stealing the idea of the Luchador invasion from him. He says he started doing
0: it before Bischoff did it. I mean he, he literally stole a lot of the talent, so <laughs> I can't um say that he's wrong, but um but one guy that Eric Bischoff did not steal, Vince McMahon stole him, was Taz, who's uh, up next. He does not have a match on this show, but Joey Styles is in the ring. He introduces Taz, claims that he, he couldn't find any more UFC fighters to choke out, which in the last show, he uh, had a match with Paul Varlins, the polar bear, who was a UFC fighter. And uh, Taz beat the shit out of him. So now Taz is here. Taz's presentation—I mean, with the big orange flag and all the young boys and Bill Alfonso—what do you make of Taz and and his uh, his presentation here?
1: I, the line, the quote: "I don't need a weapon. My hands are weapons." Like, (laughs) pretty cool, right? I get it. And looking back on it, you know how they—you know—people say things like that didn't age well. Or the the kids will say things like "That's cringe." Mm. Like I watch I watch this back and I'm like, I thought this was way cooler when I was like 13, 12, 13 years old than what it hey is. Man, at back the time
0: at it. it was cool. Okay? It was super
1: cool. Bill Alfonso's still in my book, one of the greatest managers of all time to ever do it. Mm. He he was that that quintessential, you know, no fucks given. We're just here to win, cash a paycheck, and go home. You know, and he was that way whether he was the hill Bill Alfonso or the babyface Bill Alfonso. He was there to, you know, like cash checks, make money, put guys over and go home. That was it. And the yeah. fucking whistle. I love the whistle. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're the only one. I so I I often watch wrestling to fall asleep and my wife's there, usually. Uh, she doesn't like it when I watch ECW in bed because it's all that. It's either this goddamn whistle over and over again, or it's the gangsta's music over and over again. And (laughs) both are just awful things to fall asleep to. Um, how do you
1: sleep to wrestling? It's so chaotic. I feel like I would constantly stay awake.
0: I, I fall asleep immediately, man. It's so you you get the entrances and then the bell rings, and then you have those first few minutes of kind of like jockeying for position. It's always at that point when it's like, okay. Um, I don't know what it is, man. It's just, its it soothes me. I love this. It says something this. about
1: your character, how the, the inner workings of your brain work, my friend.
0: Chaos. It's an enigma. You are yeah. an enigma. It's just a, a carton of milk in there, tipped over.
1: Just hanging you know? out,
0: being pretty, that, watching wrestling. That's all that's
1: in there. That's... God. To live your Someone's life, gotta my friend. Someone's got to do it.
0: I know I'm here. I'm here to for you to live vicariously, I guess. <laughs> Well, Taz is here. Speaking of thighs, juicy thighs on Taz is here. And uh, he's choked out. So he's going through his uh, his resume of people that he's choked out and like the interpromotional nature of it. He he choked out Bam Bam Bigelow from the WWF and Crowbar from WCW and Paul Varlins from UFC. And he's basically saying that I've choked everybody out. And then Bill Alfonso, all of a sudden, this turns into fuck Joey styles for whatever reason, because Bill Alfonso is like Joey's stuck. Cause I guess Bill Alfonso is like the head of the athletic commission or whatever the hell his title is at this point. Um, or allegedly he is, he's, he fires Joey styles because he's never said anything nice about him. And Joey's like, you don't have the authority and then Taz stands in front of him, And he's like, okay, yeah, I'm fired. Which I'm is Hilarious. Joey's <laughs> fucking hilarious. Um, and, Bill Alfonso introduces the new host of ECW, Joe Gertner, the Stud Muffin. So I guess that's I guess that's going to be a thing. Um, and Taz goes on; he's talking about you know Sandman, Tommy Dreamer. He's calling all these guys out. The 911 comes out, who had left ECW for a bit, but now I guess he's back. Choke slams Joel Gertner. Choke slams Taz. But then Taz just pops back up, German to 911, Taz mission, and chokes him out. So Taz stands tall. Joey Styles, I guess, is not fired because Joel Gertner's dead. And <laughs> yeah. Again, a lot going on. A lot going on.
1: I I don't even know where to start with this. <laughs> because even watching it, then like reading through, listening, do you tell your description of it? I'm like.
0: A roller coaster of emotions.
1: It's Paul Heyman booked his wrestling shows the way Jerry Springer booked his talk show. Mm, you know yeah. what I mean? Like he, Car looking crash. back on it, like, you know, pulling the curtain back, you think about the backstage he, like, Paul Heyman had no trouble putting two guys in the ring that he knew had problems with each other. And he always wanted to market off of it. Not that this was any point of that, but I'm just talking in reference to the few pieces of my ECW memory that I've picked up. And it's yeah. like, I liked that about him because a lot of this stuff, they're beating the shit out of each other. It's entertaining. And you're, I look back on it and I'm like, I wonder how much of this was them beating the shit out of each other because they
0: genuinely wanted to. Yeah. yeah Cause nine one, one, he was on the ring crew and he left ECW because some of the ring crew were being uh, mistreated. I forget what the exact. Just doing a quick search here. If it like pops up, I don't know, but it was no handshakes, was go- no hot dogs, something like that. But he, they were nine one one and Taz were in the middle of a feud and I guess not or, uh, Taz was going to beat him, but then nine one one left. So it kind of left Taz with his dick in his hand a little bit, but now he's back. So who knows? I don't even know what comes of this, but. I don't know. It was, I love a good nine one one choke slam. That's I mean ECW. The crowd did too. They they enjoyed the simple things, and I guess I mean they, they hated Taz too. I mean the fuck you Taz's chants were ringing throughout that arena. So it was it was good stuff here again. A bit silly, a bit disjointed, and it felt like they were just combining a lot of different things into one segment, which is kind of consistent with the the rest of the card. I feel like it's just like a bunch of different storylines all crammed into one thing, but. Um. again, I, I mean, Taz's presentation, I love it at this point. He feels like a legit badass, even at as at his size. I mean, that's super impressive, I think. So let
1: me ask you a question. Having watched this and having a, a little bit more of understanding of the story, where the fuck is RVD?
0: Where was he at in 96? He's around. So he's relatively newly on the scene. Uh I think he debuted maybe like four months ago, five months ago. And he's had some really great matches with Sabu. And I think they're one and one. Maybe I think they've each won a match, Um, but they're building to a stretcher match between the two RVD and Sabu, which I I think is on the next show. They mentioned it in the, in a later match, but RVD was not on this particular show. I don't know if he was uh, just wrestling somewhere else or what, what have you, but, or they just needed more Louis Spicoli time. So that was it. You know, we got two, (laughs) we got
1: two Spicoli matches, but no Rob Van Dam. I was just My vacuum was, uh, Confused when I got through this card, I was like, "How did I not see Rob Van Dam in the '90s on an yeah. ACW card?"
0: Now RVD's here. He's still wearing a gi, and uh, so he's not in his final form yet. But he's around. He's, he's still around. he's still growing. Yes, nurturing. He's the seed has been planted. Some may say. Uh, but speaking of planting seeds, I'd love to plant a seed and Francine. Huh? Oh, come on, oh. we're Ooh. talking about come. Uh the television yeah. title match is a four-way <laughs> elimination match. We got the champion, Chris Jericho, facing off against Shane Douglas, two cold Scorpio, and Pitbull number two. Pitbull, of course, with Francine. And uh yeah, we brought it up briefly before, but this is by far the <laughs> bright spot of the show. This was a super long match, but it was also the best thing on the show. So I wasn't too mad about it, but a lot of stuff happening here overall. What you what you what you think of this? I think that this was two matches. Uh,
1: mm-hmm. This was the match up until the point Jericho got eliminated, and then the last ten minutes. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I I don't want to sound like a Jericho homer because I'm not a big Jericho fan in 2023. But looking back and watching again, just rewatching. Uh, havoc from 98 and seeing jericho there as the tv champion in wcw like this 96 97 98 jericho was a badass Mm -hmm. and he could walk the walk and talk the talk and i think this was the the signal of it because seeing him in 98 then going back two more years to see him in ecw and he's doing the exact same stuff just as well and uh, i know it's really cheesy to say it but like how come he wasn't
0: bigger sooner yeah, I mean, I'm not too familiar. I know he went to WCW and did all the cruiserweight stuff, but again, unfortunately, it might just be his size. He was <laughs> shorter, but I don't know. He made a lot of what he was given. I mean, he carried that cruiserweight division in WCW. I don't think he's in ECW too much longer after this. Uh, his debut in WCW
1: was '96, late 96, early 97. So, I mean, we're getting there. Mm,
0: we're getting you know. there. But um, yeah, no. Jericho looked great, and um, yeah, there's a lot of so Shane Douglas, a so Scorpio was a TV champion for forever. I think he at the time he was the longest reigning TV champion, and Shane Douglas beat him. But then Pitbull number two beat Shane Douglas, and then Chris Jericho beat Pitbull. So these guys have all been fighting back and forth for this title for a while now. Um, so now we're all just in one match and it was, I think they said 27 minutes into the match where it was the first elimination. So this whole thing must have been at least 40. Um, and like you said, Jericho, the champion was the first guy eliminated. He gets eliminated with a tombstone from Scorpio and then the tumbleweed leg drop, which is like a, I don't know, a a Phoenix splash leg drop of sorts, which looked pretty gnarly. I don't know if he got him completely, but. Probably would have killed him if he did so. Thank goodness Uh, he didn't. (laughs) But no, I agree. Like the first like big chunk of this match is kind of just everybody taking turns, you know, they're tagging in and out. Shane Douglas doesn't want any of Pitbull because before the match, I should also say Pitbull is coming out. Shane Douglas attacks him with a chair during his entrance. So they're already at odds. So Shane Douglas is doing all he can to stay out of the ring when Pitbull's in the ring and then vice versa. So he's doing that classic heel shit. Um, it's, uh, Jericho's eliminated 27 minutes in. Um, Some stuff. Any, any spots in particular stick out to you in this one that you remember? No,
1: not again. Like I said, it seemed like the first 20, the first, I guess you said 27 minutes up until the point Jericho got eliminated. It seemed like the back half of that match was really short compared to the front. Yeah. Um, It seemed real quick, uh, I'm a Too too Cold Scorpio fan. Um, Mm. I wrote about his issues with Hawk in Korea. Um, so when I they got uh-huh. in a straight up fist fight and almost got arrested while they were in North Korea for the collision in Korea stuff right. with, in New yeah, Japan. Yeah. Uh, so I I kind of late in life got into to two cold Scorpio. So this was a first watch for me for his career to see it really? at this point. I hadn't seen him work like this. And looking back on it, this wasn't too far separated from all of that happening in that ninety four to ninety six range. So it's mm. like okay, this was kind of a a cool little like. Glimpse as to what he was doing in the mid 90s. I liked that. You think about what Shane Douglas has done and does as far as like coming into ECW, he was always the franchise. So it yeah. wasn't that the, the back half of the match wasn't memorable in a sense that it, they weren't as good workers as Chris Jericho. It was that first two thirds of the match was so focused on Chris Jericho. Yeah. Almost. They're not, not focused on him, but when he, the champion was eliminated, it was like, then they landed the plane.
0: Yeah, no, the work rate, quote unquote, was in the first half. And then it, it evolved or devolved, however you look at it, into a uh, storyline uh, soap opera type shit, which is what I'm all about. So I'm not complaining, but you love your sports entertainment. Oh, man, I'm I'm a JAS member all the way, brother, <laughs> all the way. Give me the hat. Give me the dance. Um, But Douglas and Pitbull actually end up working together at some at some point. They do the super bomb, which is traditionally the Pitbull's double team finisher, to Scorpio. Because Scorpio, there was a period where Scorpio was just taking everybody out, dominating. So Douglas and Pitbull work together to eliminate Scorpio with the super bomb, And now we're down to just Shane Douglas and Pitbull number two. We get some chairs. I mean, Pitbull sets up two chairs to form a table of chairs. And then powerbombs Shane Douglas through them. Uh, They brings out a table, sets it up in the corner. And then uh, Shane Douglas fights out, goes for a belly to belly. But Francine distracts the ref. Douglas pulls her in the ring. Pitbull grabs Shane Douglas, flips him over his head. And that goddamn Francine turns her back on Pitbull number two, throws some mysterious powder in the eye of Pitbull. And takes her skirt off to unveil her underwear that says "franchise" on it. So, man, she's she's bamboozled Pitbull, neutered Pitbull. Some may say, and uh, Pitbull one comes out who had been injured. He has like an injured arm or some shit. Douglas gives Pitbull number one a DDT on the arm. And then uh, the Pitbulls take out Douglas and give Francine a super bomb through the table that's in the ring. Franchise back in, takes out Pitbull number one, belt to Pitbull number two, piece of the table to Pitbull number two. Pitbull just keeps kicking out. Shane Douglas has the brass knucks. He hits Pitbull number two. He kicks out, Chain to the face. He kicks up. He kicks out. Pitbull number two hulks up, misses a kick in the corner, and then Shane Douglas hits the belly to belly on Pitbull number two for the win. So we got a new TV champion and a new lady for Shane Douglas. Thoughts? You should be backing up Joey
1: Styles. There should be no reason why (laughs) Styles called this by himself.
0: There's no reason
1: lot. at all. What what were you doing in ninety-six, Kyle? That's the question.
0: I was probably shitting my pants somewhere. I was three years old. <laughs> um probably watching Barney, if in I had 96,
1: to guess. Yeah. See, maybe yeah. not quite there yet. Uh was this a callback to SummerSlam? When uh, uh when Miss Elizabeth pulled the skirt off and she had the panties on underneath it and was shaking uh, her ass around? Was that what this was? Was that their like homage, like tipping their hat at SummerSlam 88 because I mean that was that was only like six or what's 96 eight that's what eight years so it's still fresh ECW and WWE like to do that back and forth shit didn't they I think it was you who posted a tweet about it like WWE literally almost carbon copied an ECW (laughs) story like a week apart wasn't it you who took me down that rabbit hole
0: no, yeah, it was uh, the foot like Raven used his boot as a weapon, which I guess to be fair, that was kind of a common thing back then. But uh, this was like a week before Sean might My- or uh, yeah, Diesel ripped the leg off of uh, Vishon, Mad Dog Vashon and used it as a weapon. So it could have been just coincidence. I, was, uh, I did just watch the Raw after Bash at the Beach 1996 and they did a who's the third man deal <laughs> <you> know, leading <laughs> to their pay-per-view. So that yeah, I, I, everybody's stealing from everybody at this point plagiarized as fuck all over the place yeah who gives a shit um but yeah just a lot going on i had a lot of all caps typing if you couldn't tell in the late (laughs) later half of my notes uh because i was into it man i was i was revved up i mean francine i mean you could see what she had for lunch when she took her skirt off and then throwing the mr fuji powder at pitbull and pitbull one's back and i mean oh oh hell broke loose good shit pal Business is about to pick up, friend. I, th- I think so. I think so. And business is about to pick up with Rad Radford. I mean, Luis Spicoli taking on El Puerto Recano. This match might have been 20 seconds. Uh, cuts right like, I guess, Luis Spicoli was cutting a promo before the match, and it cuts like mid-promo, and they just cheap shots Puerto with the mic and <laughs> clotheslines, Death Valley driver and a uh, chair shot to the head and then pins Puerto with one finger because. Fuck, uh, fuck him, I guess. So just just the intro to Luis Piccoli here, who I guess was just uh, I don't know when he was released from WWF, but uh, yeah, weird, weird, random sighting of this fella here. This Piccoli driver. Yes, of course. Of course. Did he invent it or did oh, he just no, uh, popularize absolutely. it? But there
1: were like 12 dudes doing the DVD at this point. I mean, even Saturn did one. Oh, I can't name them all. What are you? (laughs) (laughs) Name your top twenty Death Valley drivers. (laughs) Give me your top twenty, and I fucking I'm like, all right, Perry Saturn and Dean Malink. (laughs) Uh,
0: John Cena. uh...
1: Well, that's what we need to do. Sit down one day and just list who's your favorite super kick. No, Um, top one hundred. Uh, Spicoli was one of those guys where, again, like I mentioned before if I sat down and turn the rocks over and tried to research it, I might remember some stuff that happened. However, looking at this again in a vacuum, like my brain was just seeing them in an ECW arena, I guess. I was really just kind of like, what am I watching? And then immediately after the squash match happened, this is one of those things where we've seen Sabu now multiple times. We've seen Spicoli right. a couple times. And that's around the time I wrote down, where's Rob? Because I brought it up <laughs> earlier, but I was like, I, I couldn't remember what the fuck was he was doing in 96,
0: but I digress. No, yeah, I mean, Spicoli, I mean, he, I mean, he would unfortunately pass away like two years after this. So he had a really short run, but um, I guess he made a mark because, I mean, he's a name that I hear all the time. Um, but I mean, he looked fine. He, I mean, this is leading into the next match when uh, so Spicoli kicks the shit out of this job or gets on the mic And uh, or no, he doesn't get on the mic. Sabu just sprints out there with a neck brace on because I guess he was injured in his previous match. Because why wouldn't he be? Um, Sabu sprints out there. now we have a match. Sabu versus Louis Spicoli. And uh, Spicoli, I mean, he's caught off guard, but he takes advantage of the neck injury. Doing a bunch of neck breakers and shots to the neck. But then the the last like 90% of this match is just Sabu flying all over the place. Doing all sorts of triple jump moonsaults, uh, triple jump Frankensteiners. He's jumping into the crowd with the chair. He's I mean, he's doing all sorts of shit. But again, Sabu doing Sabu things. But I think this performance was better than his uh, his previous one, I would say.
1: I think the pre-production meeting for this match was Sabu walking up and going, I'm going to do these things. You catch me so I don't die. Yeah. That's that's how that that's how this match watched, because there (laughs) were. The the people who don't like wrestling because people, you know, like the whole thing, finishers don't mean anything. You know, you can uh kick out of everything like don't watch this match.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how many pinfalls there were in this match. (laughs) It was a lot of uh, a lot of outside shenanigans. I mean, particularly the triple jump with the chair. Into the crowd hitting Louis was pretty pretty sick. But um, yeah, you're right. It's just Sabu doing his shit. And uh Louis gets like one move. I think it's he just jumps off the top rope and does like a flying front flip, just throws his body at Sabu, kinda hits him. Uh maybe he gets a few suplexes in. I mean, Louis he looked great, he looked in shape, he looked jacked, but uh eventually Sabu wins with a triple so he has louis piccoli set up on the top rope sabu runs up the chair up to the top rope and ddt's louis off the top rope and then hits an arabian face buster with a chair for the win you can just throw arabian in front of anything he does and that's accurate but uh so sabu wins louis looked good i guess they shake hands and uh yeah sabu right the arabian
1: face buster
0: my favorite face buster of all time. You know? Maybe
1: your top 10 face busters, Kyle. <laughs> uh,
0: X Factor, Pedigree. Yeah.
1: Um, was this your second favorite match of the night?
0: Ooh. Maybe. My favorite
1: was the TV title.
0: Yeah, mine too, for sure. Uh maybe, man. I mean, the other uh the Eliminators match with Whipwreck and Sabu. No, nah, I'd probably put Louis versus Sabu above that. I mean, it's not you know the, the, the difference between the best match and the worst match <laughs> isn't exactly a, a <laughs> There's wide. There's not disparity. a wide arc here. <laughs> no, it's a pretty straight line, but uh, it's it's a rather hilly graph, I would say. But um, well, that brings us to the main event: Rage in the Cage. <laughs> so, did you follow the? So we got it's a six man tag. Brian Lee versus Raven. I'm sorry, Brian Lee, Raven and Stevie Richards versus Terry Gordy, Sandman and Tommy Dreamer. Did you follow the rules at all? No, (laughs) I
1: again in a vacuum, like the commentator, like again, I applaud Joey Styles. The man was a genius on the mic. He did a great job. He did so much. And like WWE just pissed all over that guy. Uh, um, yeah. but like watching this match, it was this match in general was as hard to keep up with as the Dudley boys match was because there were Stevie Richards at one point was like up on the stage thing where Devon was like, that's how mm-hmm. spread out this match got. And it was just, it was fun, but it, it was a wrestling match in a sense that there was a ring and a pinfall technically and a cage (laughs) and teams, but there wasn't Mm -hmm. a whole lot of wrestling match in this match.
0: (laughs) So I'm gonna from what I, it doesn't matter if it's in a vacuum or not. I, I've been watching the ECW TVs leading up to this show. I still didn't know what the hell was going on. (laughs) We so the premise here, so Raven and Sandman start in the ring in the cage. There's a cage there, by the way. Uh, Stevie Richards and Terry Gordy start on the stage and Tommy Dreamer and primetime Brian Lee start on the outside somewhere. And He was mentioning something about like, because Stevie and Gordy are on the stage and it was like a first man to touch the floor gets to go in the cage. And then <laughs> Dreamer and primetime are having a separate Falls Count Anywhere match and whoever wins that can get in the cage, but nobody's pinning anybody. Nobody makes any hullabaloo about whoever touches the floor. Everybody's just getting in the cage eventually. Some people are getting out of the cage. The title's on the line, but only if Stevie Richards gets pinned, who is not the champion. Raven's the champion. Raven gets pinned, doesn't lose the championship because Stevie Richards was the only one that could have lost it for him. The rules were fucking stupid. And it was like, it was fun. It was ECW at, at its most ECW here. But... I don't know. At one point, Blue Meanie was down in
1: front of the ring and he was like shaking the cage and going crazy. And I was like, you mean mean blue dust, blue dust. Yes. Where did he come from? From the Bowery, I think he just showed up. I was just watching Blue Meanie's just out there shaking cages. I was like, he wasn't even in a match.
0: Yeah, that's a hard show to miss, too. For him to sneak out there without seeing him. I mean, that's impressive. Maybe he repelled from the ceiling. Who knows? Owen oh, and Hartstow? Who knows. I hope not. I hope not. I mean, an ECW arena, it's probably. Not as bad. He could have landed on something. Uh, he could have taken that bump and been OK in the ECW arena. Oh, he would have bounced. He would have bounced that ring, probably would have collapsed. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. He just hit and splashes like- <laughs> <laughs> it's finished. Um, I mean, mine, I don't even know where to start here with my note. I mean, there was it was not a lot to follow. It's just a bunch of carnage um, on anything stick out to you in this one as, as noteworthy.
1: The the mind games Raven was playing the little kid coming out dressed like Raven. Yes. I Same, thought that was because uh, su- uh, I this looking in some notes. And like I said, I tried to turn over a little rock, so I understood what the fuck all of this meant. Uh, yeah. what I could figure out was Sandman and Raven had been playing like Raven had had some shit done with Sandman's family. Yes. And, uh, it was, so I was like, okay, that's cool. And he comes out and he does the Raven cross and he's like, looks mm-hmm. like a little baby Raven. And then you look at after the match primetime lost his effing mind. Like, he just pretty much hulked up and just attacked everybody.
0: It didn't matter. Oh, man. All the women that were outside, because you had Missy Hyatt with Sandman. You have Beulah and Kimono Wanaleo with Tommy Dreamer. At the end of the match, primetime Brian Lee is just choking them all. Um, I don't know what happened with that. But uh, I mean, there's, there's a, a door came into play. Somebody just had a door and was hitting people with it. <laughs> P- pile drivers. It seemed like. Whenever a big move would start to happen inside the ring, they would like cut away to Dreamer and Primetime just fighting in the crowd. Uh, casually, right. Stevie Richards just jumps off the top of the cage, but like gets ta- <laughs> gut shotted by Gordy on the way down.
1: Uh, the uh, the Primetime Tommy Dreamer spot off the cage through the tables where he almost killed Ooh. Dreamer because he went at an angle and he'll, he only made it through like yeah. one and a half of the tables and then just went straight to the floor.
0: So if I saw this correctly, they were smart about it because so they were this is like a month after it's like somewhat of a, a famous spot where uh, primetime slams Tommy Dreamer off of like a balcony through a bunch of tables. So it seemed like they were trying to recreate that here, but just off the cage through tables that were set up by Blue Dust and Stevie Richards or Nova, whoever set it up. Uh, but they set up three tables on top of each other. But then I think they set a fourth one up like behind it. For like in case that he like overshot it, which I think kind of happens. I don't know. But it looked it, it looked very contrived though, because he had to like shimmy his way on top of the cage and he just kind of got pushed off. But I mean, it was a convincing way to take out Dreamer, I guess, because it did look pretty gnarly. He definitely got some color, that's for sure. Laying in the pool of his own blood, as Joey Styles said. Um you brought up tyler who you know sandman's son because dreamer handcuffs raven to the top rope against the cage which is an homage to the previous heat wave in 1995 where dreamer just cracked raven in the head as he was handcuffed um but he's unable to do that here because tyler gets in the way dreamer and sandman bicker and then this allows raven to take advantage um there's just Chaos all over the arena. Yeah, the table spot happens and then somebody gets DDT'd in the ring. You can't really see who. <laughs> but then there's a three count and then uh, Sandman's music plays. So I guess Sandman wins. He beats Raven. But again, doesn't win the champion because because fuck him, I guess. <laughs> um, And then primetime proceeds to choke all the women and Terry Gordian primetime fight in the ring and then Tommy Dreamer's dead. And then and then that's the show. So <laughs> very uh, that's what you want from ECW, I guess, though, huh?
1: I, I like I said, I wasn't disappointed. I knew what I was getting myself into. I agreed to mid 90s ECW. I wasn't going to get, mm. you know. This wasn't the attitude error gearing up into the attitude Era that we all remember and love. This was definitely ECW really catching their stride. And oh, I yeah. think if you look at it in a vacuum for what it is, taking out the the production value and the style, this could have been a GCW show. This could mm-hmm. be a CZW show. This could be one of your top tier indie promotions running in the 2300 today. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot to be said about Paul Heyman and the style that he was booking then, because that's the kind of shit that's selling out the 2300 still to this day in 2023. (laughs) (laughs) So he was doing something right.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. And I would say like ECW at this point in 1996, I mean, this is a week after Hogan turns, but other than that, ECW has got some of the best storylines going in wrestling at this point. And they do have the potential to have good matches. I mean, Sabu and RVD have had some great ones. Shane Douglas and Scorpio had a great one. The last show, everything Raven and dreamer does is really good when it's like not as cluttered as this. So they got a lot of good stuff. ECW, this show in particular it was really just all over the place. But again, <laughs> there were there were like a, some story line pivots that were interesting and the TV title match was great. But yeah, a lot of just to call it a clusterfuck, I think would be an understatement. But, but it was a like,
1: clusterfuck that got us together, Kyle. That's all that and, matters.
0: And we got to see Francine tiny. So it who, did.
1: that was nice. Yeah. We got to see the gangsters just mow through people, which you love. Who doesn't right. like watching New Jack? You got to see Sabu do Sabu things. You got to see a dude who isn't Italian pretend to be Italian.
0: How dare you? Who, who are you referring to? <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not talking about J.T. Smith. He He's 100% Gabagool. You know? Gabo, gabagool.
1: He's yeah. about as Italian as my Jewish ass. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, speaking of Jews, uh, I don't have a segue for that one, but um, <laughs> <laughs> sometimes I just hope it comes into my head and just you got to play out. with it, man. I love it. Let it go. You Be that you. Bit. Hey, if you had to grade the show from a, a skill to S to F, what do you think you would give it?
1: For me personally, I, I liked it. I'm not mad at all about it. It's definitely sad. A pass fell, I would definitely give this a pass. It was fun. Yeah. Like I said, I've seen enough GCW lately covering the indies that I feel, like I said, in a vacuum, this is just a GCW show looking back at it. You know what I mean? Right. All Brett's doing is just copying what Heyman was doing in the 90s. So to me, this definitely passed. It wasn't for the technical in-ring work. Like, or the long term stories, because I had no idea what I was watching really. But for the entertainment value of the matches, like, it's a pass. I wouldn't say this is like a complete failure of a pay per view.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I mean, looking at this, I mean, I feel like Sabu is, he ought to be your favorite wrestler because all he does is botch spots and performs chair shots. shots. But speaking of oh, which, oh, that's oh, it. Oh, where can everybody find your beautiful face and uh, smell what you're cooking? Well, over there at Botch Pots and Share Shots.
1: Kyle, you are a master of a segue and you are the master hey, of my heart. I love you. I appreciate oh, the time, sir. Thank you for having me. So um, if you enjoyed it and you want to find my shenanigans elsewhere, um, you can check my link tree at the Will Gray. When you go there, you'll find all my shenanigans for Botch Pots and Share Shots and Rivet City Radio.
0: Awesome, man. I appreciate having you. Hey, quick question. Do you put sugar in your cornbread or do you not? You do not put sugar
1: in cornbread. You put your sugar in your tea. And that's it. You do not put sugar in cornbread. You're not making a corn cake. You're making cornbread. Maybe you're not. I can do your corn cake.
0: Once again, thank you to Will from the Botch, Spots and Chair Shots podcast for joining me on this lovely, lovely road of ECW. Go check out Will. Go check out the Botch, Spots and Chair Shots podcast. All the info in the description below. He's a good boy. Great group of cats over there. Always an entertaining show. Go check it out. Check me out at Apron Bump on all the social medias. You'll also find that in the description below. And hey, what else is there to do but hit that jingle, Bartholomew? WCW Who's the hardest promotion? Eric or Vince or Polly. I think we can agree, though. It's mostly shit. Alrighty then, let's grade this show, shall we? First of all, let's just lay out the scene. Let's set the scene. Currently, first of all, if you're watching on YouTube, you'll be able to follow along with my spreadsheet here. Uh, But I'll also walk you through it if you're listening in audio land. Currently, WWF and ECW are leading with 10 points. WCW with two points. Lots of year to go, though. And we will get into it and see if anything changes here. But first things first, before we get into anything else, let's grade the show, shall we? Shall we? From a grade of S to F, S being one of the best shows of all time to F being the drizzling shits. So we've had a couple of we've had a run of pretty good shows, a lot of B's recently, a couple C's in there, but. You know, an and A at WrestleMania. I mean, we haven't had a bad show since, uh, you know, ECW <laughs> like earlier in the year so so. Um, but where do we land on this show? So I'm going to tell you right now, this is not a great show, but it's not. I was going to say it's not the worst show, but let's let's not get carried away here. Um. Let's see here. Let me just review my notes. Let me just take a quick scan, make sure I'm taking everything into account. We got a lot of, you know, nonsensical gimmicks and stipulations. We got the blood and the weapons, which is kind of the ECW deal, so that's not really a a mark against them per se. Kind of just staying idle in a sense. Louis Spicoli makes an appearance, an appearance, but what? How valuable was that? Sabu wrestles a few times. It's fine. The TV title match was really good, and the Francine turn was really significant and well done. Tarzan Goto did nothing for me. 911 returns, confronts Taz. That's a big deal. Dudley boys, he finally got Devon Big Dick coming to a head. Um, Mikey Whipwreck bullshit in the beginning. Stupid gangsters. Yes, yeah, so I'm thinking the ceiling here is C. It's between C and D. I'm going to say that. Um, I think if I would so this is like like if I was watching this show in a vacuum right this is a kind of an awful show (laughs) it's kind of a fucking terrible show but there are like I said it there's significant story beats that happen within it and I think that should go towards the quality of the show because that means it's you know it's there's there's intent behind the things there's coherence in the storylines and and Things keeping you coming back to the show. I think that all accompanies, you know, the quality of the show that we're grading here. So I'm going to say C here. I'm going to let that sit for a second. See how it looks. See how I'm I'm, going to try it on. See how it fits. ECW Heat Wave 1996 with a C. Bash at the Beach was a B. King of the Ring was a B. Great American Bash 1996 from WCW was a C. So basically we're saying that Great American Bash and Heat Wave were the same. What the hell happened at Great American? Great American Bash was not that great of a show. So I think a C is fair. You know what I'm saying? I think C is fair here. So what does that mean? Well, now we look at each promotion and see which promotion currently has the highest average grade. For their uh, pay-per-views or their events or what have you. Currently, WWF still has the highest grade with a B. WCW and ECW are virtually tied. WCW has them. They're more like a C plus where ECW is like a C. so. Um, So that being said, WWF still maintains the lead there. And that is one criteria of many. So I'll walk you through the points and how we divvy them out as we go along. Best overall average pay-per-view grade, WWF wins that, and they get six points. They maintain those six points, so no changes to the score. And like I said, WWF has 10, ECW has 10, WCW has two. Best pay-per-view, WrestleMania 12. As of right now, that's the only A grade, so we're going to keep that. So WWF maintains that at two. Worst pay-per-view, still tracking WCW Super Brawl as the worst. So WCW maintains that negative one point. In-ring, so this is just a more general approach to it. Which company has the best overall in-ring product? Currently, we are saying that ECW has the best. I don't think there's anything... We're thinking ECW... I think if anyone has is competing with this at this point, WCW and their cruiserweight division... Is putting out some good stuff. WWF is fine, but it's still kind of an idol. I don't think anything would shift it, you know, forward or back. I don't think WCW has an overall. I don't think the in-ring is is good enough to kind of overtake ECW Because ECW has like the TV title, but you also have people from Japan and Mexico coming in and out. You got um, even like the Raven and Tommy Dreamer type stuff is always pretty good. The crowd's always into it. I think ECW maintains that spread as of right now. So they maintain those four points. Best match of the year, Shawn Michaels versus Diesel, in your house seven. I would say the best match on Heatwave 1996 was the TV title by a country mile, a mile, country mile. Easy for me to say. Uh, I do not think that is better than Shawn versus Diesel at in your house seven, though. So WWF maintains those two points worst match of the year ultimate warrior versus gold dust also at end your house seven was any match worse than that i don't think so let me let me run through the matches here in my notes just to make sure we're not missing anything any for context we also take into account you know the uh the spotlight the match is given the stakes you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, Paul Loria versus Mikey Whipwreck. I don't know. You could say that's worse, maybe. but Or the gangsters versus the, versus the Samoan gangster party. Sure, that's probably worse, maybe. There's a conversation to be had, but those are like preliminary matches that don't really matter in the grand scheme of things. No titles on the line or anything. So overall, Warrior versus Goldust, I think, is the, the, the bigger abortion of, of those. So... um. Louis Piccoli Sabu was fine. Yeah, the Ridge in the cage was the stipulation was stupid, but I don't think that outdoes uh, <laughs> Warrior and Goldust just fucking fiddle fucking for 28 minutes. felt like so, yeah, Warrior and Goldust, they keep that. So WWF keeps that negative one points. Um, let's see here. Where are we at? um roster star power so best overall roster and we take into account um you know the star power of the roster but also the quality the technical ability the overall ability just who has the most uh vastly impressive roster at this point currently we're tracking wcw so now we are in nwo territory so razors there diesel's there also got the cruiserweight division really coming into its own. You know, Rey Mysterio is becoming a big deal. He won the title from Dean Malenko at the show following Bash at the Beach. You got Hoovatude and Psychosis around. You got Benoit. You got Eddie. And you got Regal. You got the Steiner brothers. You got a lot of good got a good action going on. But also you got the star power of the Hogans and the Macho Man's and the flares and all all that stuff. So I think. Overall, I think WCW still maintains that, Um, even though ECW's got a lot of good talent, of course. WCW maintains that with four points. Wrestler of the Year. Shawn Michaels currently tracking. I mean, if anyone on this show would push him out, I mean, the only competition, I would say, you could maybe say, like, um, a Shane Douglas, perhaps. Um... Eliminators. I don't know. I don't think anybody's outdoing Shawn Michaels at this point yet, but we'll see. We got an upcoming in your house and Shawn's in a six man town. We'll we'll see. We'll see what happens here. But I think Shawn Michaels keeps that. The WWF maintains those two points. You fuck off. Uh, Worst wrestler of the year. Ultimate warrior. Yeah, I think. It's gonna take a lot to knock Warrior off. I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you that right now. So he WWF keeps those negative one point, or that negative one point. Out of ring. So we're looking at gimmicks, characters, promos, storylines. Best overall, ECW. And like look, I've, I've been saying it over and over again, but there's a lot of good storyline pivots in this show. And I think ECW is doing it better. Like, from top to bottom, I think ECW has the best, like, collection of storylines going. Really interesting characters. You got, like, Taz doing the shoot-fight stuff. You got the you know, Raven taking Sandman's son, making him join a cult. The Dudleys, the faction warfare with the FBI, the internal faction warfare within the Dudleys, among other things. You got the gangs. You got the tag team divisions, pretty hot. The, the TV title. Like, the Pitbulls in France. Like, all that stuff, right? ECW just got a really... Uh, plentiful kind of set of stories going on right now more so than dub look we got the NWO going on but we're still very early days this is this this show is a week after the nwo was kind of started so we're not we're not best in the world yet but we'll keep an eye out for that so i think ecw keeps those four points for now best character storyline is taz what did, what did Taz do on this show confronted nine one one choked him out so I think we're kind of solidifying him you know he's got the great presentation with uh you know the the team taz his young boys you got Bill Alfonso you got the big orange flag the towel the, the overall style the approach calling out sabu like a lot of good stuff with taz at this point so I think um on this show nothing on this show would really push it either way maybe the dudleys maybe i mean there's some competition here but i think it's ecw regardless so ecw keeps that at two points worst character storyline the dungeon of doom um anything does anything knock that out i don't think so man i don't think there's any i don't think there's really any bad storylines going on in ecw at this point so yeah yeah Fuck you, Dungeon of Doom. You stay there. <laughs> so they get negative one point. So overall, no changes. Look at that. Look at us go. Uh, WWF and ECW still tied with 10 points. WCW with two. But lots a year to come, ladies and gentlemen. So that about wraps her up, man. ECW, Heat Wave, 1996. What do you guys think? It's, it's chilly. It's chilly outside, but it's hot. In the fifth the eagle, the ECW place. What's it called? The ECW Arena. Because it's Heat Uh man, that would have been a good way to start out this episode, huh? <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe it's good that I've buried it at the end. Um Yeah, I think it's about all we got. Check out the YouTube, by the way. Should have fucking plugged this in the beginning. I could got could splice this and put it in the beginning, but I won't. Um this is just a little treat for you guys who still hang or are still hanging around. Uh, check out the YouTube, got some new videos up going Got to start putting out some more short form stuff. I did a, a theme song quiz. I did a, a list. I, I listed all of the European champions, or at least I tried to. Um, so I'm going to start doing some more stuff like that. I'm feel I'm open for input, open for things that you would like to see me do. I got some ideas cooking some, um, some, uh, what what you would call it? kind of more short form stuff, maybe YouTube exclusive type stuff, maybe you know, some decent production value going on, maybe a deadliest warrior spoof of sorts. Don't know. Ah, uh, but keep an eye on that um towards the end of the year. I should be releasing the first episode of a new series, name pending. <laughs> so got a lot of stuff coming heading I'm heading into you know year number four wait I think yeah yeah near year number four of doing this podcast so I'm gonna start making moves in this next year um having a good time but I think we're gonna start branching out and start broadening what the apron bump does so keep it get on the bandwagon now is what I'm saying you dirty dirty assholes and you're listening to my show I don't know I'm insulting you That's about all I got. <laughs> Take care, everybody. Thank you guys so much for tuning in, for, for listening, for watching, for tasting, and for touching. So, do all those things again uh, to me, and then I'll come. I don't know. There you guys. <laughs> I <gotta> go. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening. Love you all. Yeah. I'm hard. I'm Walk around and disregard it, Shoop you off the ground, show you
1: a hardest. Stan is stronger, prouder, and I guess let's get started. It's the hardest. Talk around and disregard it. Shoot you off the ground, show you a hardest.